Did you know some travel credit cards offer 10x points on your spending? Don't miss out on big rewards for your next trip. NerdWallet lets you compare smart travel credit cards side by side, curated by an expert team of finance nerds. What could future you do with better travel rewards? A free flight? A room upgrade? Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Reminder, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Supercharge your work decks with AI-powered Canva presentations. All you do is start with a prompt. You describe your, your presentation in a few words, and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides that you can then customize in seconds. Canva presentations are designed for every workplace and every department. Whether you work in sales, marketing, HR, ops, and more, Canva presentations can generate any deck you want for work. Sales decks, marketing presentations, onboarding plans, you name it. Any department can save time on any presentation with AI. Generate slides and seconds with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilbur Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. And I'm Matt. And today we're discussing savings to the moon, dodging debt collectors, and stingy shack. And when you say stingy Shaq, you mean stingy Shaquille O'Neal. That's right. The actual individual. Uh, we're going to talk about... Size 21 shoes and all. <laughs> that fella. Shaq, is, he's like our patron saint. We've talked about him on the show <laughs> a few times, and we're going to get to a story later on about him. We've got several headlines that we're going to get to during this episode, and we're going to talk about how they apply to you and your money. But first, we are having a beer hang tonight. Uh, t- if you're listening to this the day we release it, which is Friday, November 5th, we are hanging out at Monday Night Garage at 7.45 p.m. tonight, and uh, we hope to see you there. 
I know a lot of y'all are across the country and you listen to us, but we know some listeners are here in Atlanta, and so we hope to meet some of you in person, in real life. Yeah, I'm not expecting our Canadian and Australian listeners to hop on a plane and (laughs) and get here by this evening, but hopefully uh, looking forward to meeting some of you listeners tonight at Monday Night Garage, and uh, that'll be, yeah, like Matt said, at 745. Uh, Matt, I just want to mention, too, last week we talked about my potentially ridiculous decision to buy a World Series ticket, and now... The Braves have won the World Series, my friend. And you can say that you were there. I think, I really think my presence did it for us. But (laughs) Well, and we finished up actually in Houston in six games, a dominant win. And I will say it was worth it. It was worth the money. Worth every penny. To get to be at that World Series game. It was a lot of fun. Great vibes going on. Yeah. I mean, the the place where the Braves play, it's kind of out in the burbs now. We kind of... We haven't really talked about this on the show, but I used to bike to a whole lot of games, and I just don't really go to as many, nearly as many as I used to. Dude, we, I mean, we would go together. Like, we did a lot. Like, Kate and I would even bike to go see the Braves play because you could pick up tickets for, like, five bucks. Oh, it was so much cheaper to go to a game back then, for sure. But now, literally, we have not been to a single game up at the the Battery. Yeah, and I think I might bike my girls to the parade today in downtown Atlanta. But, yeah, that's uh, enough about the Braves win. I just wanted to say (laughs) it was worth it. And I just wanted to also quickly mention, uh, while we're doing some housekeeping here, that Matt and I are wrong sometimes. and uh, We are not infallible. No, that's true. And by the way, if you ever have any anything that you want to share with us, something we've gotten wrong, a way we can improve, we have a place where you can do that at howtomoney.com slash do better. Uh, we, we love to hear your suggestions. But we were wrong earlier this week when we mentioned that a Chase credit card bonus, uh, sign-up bonus, was $1,250. That had recently changed. And now, yeah. now the point sign-up bonus is, is 60000 instead of 100000 It's 60000 points, but with the additional bonus, you're looking at a $750 bonus. It's a, I mean, it's a far cry from $1,250, but that being said, it is still a fantastic bonus. Yeah, it is. It is. But we're wrong. It's, it's not as rich as not it as used rich to be. as it used to be. Sadly, yeah. That uh, that uh, honeymoon phase is, is over. <laughs> right, right. Still a great card. And, and also, one other thing we were wrong about last week, Matt. We mentioned the timing for the public service loan forgiveness waiver. PSLF And we made it sound like you only had a few days (laughs) until Halloween. But you have until Halloween next year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. October 31st was correct. We had that date right. Uh, Not this year, though, 2022. And so, yeah, if any folks out there were stressed out and rushed to make sure that they filled that thing out, well, congratulations. You don't have to worry about it anymore. <laughs> you but got for, it off your to-do list. Yeah, but for everyone else who just thought, you know what? I'm just not going to get around to doing that. Well, you have another year. Yes, so you do. you've got 12 months. I'm sorry about uh, get lighting on a fire under you, <laughs> <laughs> uh, needlessly. All right, but Matt, let's let's do move on and get to the Friday flight and mention the other stories, the stories we found interesting this week. And let's start off by talking about cash money. The The theme of everything, it seems like for the past year or so, maybe, maybe a little bit longer, has been to the moon. Crypto, stocks, real estate. Stonks to the moon. (laughs) Yeah. Everything's been like going on the up and up, up and to the right. But a new uh, survey from Bank of America finds that savings rates are through the roof too. And it turns out that 70% of Gen Zers specifically padded their savings account over the past year. And although I would say it was hard not (laughs) to be saving more for a lot of people. That's true. Because of the massive amount of stimulus dollars that that have been flowing directly into those accounts. The inability to spend any money when things were locked down. Exactly. Yeah. Your money flowing into your account and you're not going out. And so just by default, your savings grow. This this is great news for individuals, right? But the, the personal balance sheets, I would say, of most Americans, they're just better off than they've been in a long time. And this new survey just reflects how strong of a position, of a savings position, that so many Americans are in. 
That's true. But, you know, here's an important question, which is, is it possible to have too much money in savings? There is nearly $10 trillion in savings accounts that are earning close to nothing right now. $10 trillion. That is a crazy amount of money. And in fact, with inflation continuing its death march, that money <laughs> is earning less than nothing in those accounts. Uh, it's actually doing the opposite. It is slowly deteriorating. And so while we are fans of saving money, it is possible to be too focused on saving and not focused enough on investing. And in fact, that same Bank of America survey, they found that only 26% of those same Gen Zers had contributed to the retirement accounts with that extra money that fell into their laps. That is not a good use of that money. We want to see more of that money. Assuming they've got their emergency fund set up, right. we want to see more of that money uh, put to use in a, in a more active way. Exactly, yeah. While, while keeping savings on hand for a rainy day is crucial, right? We're not we're not saying savings is for the birds, that no. it's stupid. Investing is what's going to grow your wealth. And so, yeah, don't neglect to have some liquid cash on hand, but don't overdo it either. And if you're looking for a better place to stash maybe some of your medium-term savings, money that you're not investing for 30 years down the road, but money you might need in the next two or three, I-bonds are looking better and better these days. We've been talking more and more about I-bonds as inflation has become a bigger risk to your money. And it turns out, you know, new rates as of November 1st are just a hair over 7% now Oh yeah, on the I-bonds. <laughs> so yeah, if you're looking for risk-free returns, this is a great place to stash some of that money you don't feel comfortable investing at the moment. Maybe you have overpadded your, uh, your savings account and you're like, I got to find a way to make more than half a percent. Well, you can electronically purchase those I-bonds on treasurydirect.gov. We'll put a link in the show notes. You can purchase up to $10,000 per person per year, and then you can purchase an additional $5,000 up to an additional five grand with your tax return money next year. And so, yeah, if you're kind of in that in-between spot, I-bonds are just an awesome vehicle for uh, to place your money in right now. Totally. And I actually did that this morning. Nice. Uh, yeah, I, I opened an account. I had not done that before, and it did not take very long at all. I will say the website is pretty clunky. felt like it was built 20 years ago. <laughs> it probably was. <laughs> was. I mean, yeah, literally. Running uh, on Microsoft DOS. Exactly. Right? And so I felt a little odd, you know, punching in all of that sensitive information. But literally, you can open an account today, and you can fund it and make a purchase. I maxed that out, actually, and I bought $10,000 worth of I-bonds because I had some savings like you said, that uh, I was thinking about investing, thought about putting that directly in the market. But instead, this is another way to earn on that money and to diversify what I am doing with that money. And it's worth mentioning that, keep in mind, this is money that you can't touch for twelve, at least 12 months. That's and right. So beyond that, you can take the money out, but you're going to have to pay back three months worth of interest. But even still, and even if rates adjust, it is still probably the best place for you to get that guaranteed rate of return on your money. Yeah, not a great place for the emergency fund, but it is a good place for savings, right? Exactly. Medium-term savings. That's right, yeah. And since we're, we're talking about some of these fundamental aspects of personal finance, let's quickly talk about credit card debt because that is down as well. The uh, the average credit card balance was about $6,500 back in 2019. It is $5,500 now. Uh, and so this is great news on multiple levels. Obviously, it's great for your finances. But a new study from the University of Missouri, they found that people who carried consistently high levels of unsecured debt, so credit card debt, were, and this is straight from their report, were 76% more likely to have pain that interfered with their daily life than people with no unsecured debt. Oh, snap. <laughs> That's crazy. It really is a, a remarkable study. And you know we've discussed the IQ drop that debt can cause. But this just striking correlation between higher levels of debt, worse physical health, uh, this is one worth keeping an eye on because using debt vehicles like credit cards to enhance your lifestyle, that's a, a dangerous game to play. 
how you handle money, it truly does have direct implications on every area of your life, including your mental and your physical health. Yeah, that was shocking to read. I, I did not know that. I, I, I Obviously, we knew the mental health aspect, but the physical health, like the, that deteriorates too. It makes sense, man. Yeah. Because the mind controls the body. That's right. That's yeah. right. But it's just kind of interesting to see the numbers. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it just makes oh. me think that we should be telling our listeners more and more the perils of debt because yeah, it, it influences every part of your life. It's, yeah, it reaches absolutely. its tentacles in everywhere, that's for sure, and causes misery. But here's another thing. Did you know that you don't necessarily have to pay every debt that you owe? No, I'm not joking, and I'm not trying to sell you anything, right? N- not all debt, as it turns out, is collectible. And we haven't really talked about this before on the show, Matt. We haven't talked about the statute of limitations laws. But uh, David Lazarus from the LA Times had a piece this week detailing how the statute of limitations works when it comes to debts that you owe. And this is something that like we haven't really talked about, and most folks don't really have a clue about. They don't realize that there is a clock ticking when it comes to debts that they haven't paid yet. And we'll put up a link, actually, so you can see what the statute of limitation is in your state, because it varies from state to state. Mm -hmm. It's four years on unpaid debt in California. It's six where we live in Georgia. And so that means that legally, a debt collector will not be able to sue you for any payments that you might owe after that time is up. And here's the thing, though. This is an ethically gray area because you still owe the debt. And we would say... It doesn't mean you no longer owe the debt. Right. It's <laughs> it's not forgiven. Right. <laughs> it just means that they cannot sue you in a court of law in order to make you pay. And so we would say that you should still pay the debt if you're able to. Uh, but here's the thing. If you're not able to, we want you to know that the statute of limitations has your back. It's something... Actually, a listener just this week emailed and said... Really, you should tell How to Money listeners about Statute of Limitations. I saw this article by David Lazarus, and I was like, this is the perfect time Mm -hmm. just to mention it because it is one of those things where if you do not have the financial resources to pay a debt, um, there is a time limit on a debt collector's ability to to try to get that money out of your hands. Yeah. And so, yeah, ethically or morally, there's a gray area. When it comes to your ability to get sued, though, it's it's black or white. Right. Um, And when it comes to your credit score, it's black and white as well because the Statute of Limitations this this has nothing to do with your credit score. Even though they can no longer sue you for that money, it can still completely wreck your credit score. Mm-hmm. And David, he also wrote about how some more unscrupulous collectors will try and kind of pull a fast one on you uh, in order to do what's called reviving an old debt. Uh, basically, they, it, it's honestly it's it's a lot like what it sounds. <laughs> they they try and get you to pay like this tiny amount, almost as tiny of, a, of an amount as you can towards that debt. Which revives it, meaning that the you know the clock starts ticking again. You basically hit the reset button, and then that collector can hound you to pay up. And if you don't, then they can legally take you to court yeah, again. They, they might sound real sweet, and they're like, like, "Just pay ten bucks today. If you just pay just, ten bucks that, today, just, just do me a favor." Yeah, right? like uh, yeah. And they're like, well, "Okay, I guess I can pay ten bucks." Yeah. But then that restarts the clock, and yeah. so that puts you over the barrel again if you owe a lot of debt to exactly. this collector. And it's not just about paying a small amount too, but even agreeing to enter into a new debt payment plan. Right. Even acknowledging that this debt exists, these are all things that can trigger the reset. And so be sure to be incredibly careful in how you communicate and and what you communicate if you are in touch with uh, a debt collector. 
All right, yeah, so word to the wise there, if you owe debt, just watch out for these tricks. You, you know, it's like we said, it's a good thing to pay your debts. If you have taken on a loan and you've said, I will pay this, we think it's the right thing to do. It's your moral obligation to pay any sort of debt that you've taken out, but just know your legal rights too. And uh, yeah, Matt, let's quickly talk about gig work for a second. The, mm-hmm. the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, just sent notices to some of the major gig companies telling them to stop making promises that they can't deliver on when it comes to worker pay. Companies like Uber, Lyft, Instacart, DoorDash, they're all under increased scrutiny when it comes to how much their gig work army is actually making versus what they're uh, being told they're going to make. And so I guess uh, a little embellishment is happening here <laughs> <laughs> with some of these companies. And we actually, you know, we talked about the insidious nature of gig work just last month yeah. on the show. Maybe some of the folks over there at the FTC listen to How to Money. That Who could knows? be. That yeah. could be. And Maybe yeah, we should do an HTM FTC <laughs> collab. Oh, that'd be nice. That'd be fun. I'm, I'm, in, I'm for it. Sounds like it wouldn't be fun. <laughs> Let's be, be dry as a bone. And, and yeah, well, I think while gig work can be beneficial for some folks, we, we tried to highlight some of the pros of gig work in that episode, a lot of gig workers are left in the lurch on the pay front. They're being overpromised, underdelivered, and ultimately I think we're all likely going to be paying more for gig services as these companies beef up what they pay workers in the future, especially under like the increased scrutiny of the federal government. But guess what? We said it then and we'll say it now. We're okay with that. (laughs) If the gig economy is going to continue to grow, those pay promises are going to have to be kept and gig workers are going to have to be able to make a legitimate income, um, I think, if it's going to be sustainable. That's right, Joel. And just like you said, higher prices, that's something that we can start to get used to. Get used to the idea of paying more if these are services, if these are apps that you use now that you plan to continue to use. We've got several other stories that we're going to get to here in a minute. We're going to talk about lady investors. We're going to talk about Shaq being stingy, but first, a quick break. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to Kachava dot com slash how to money that's spelled k-a-c-h-a-v-a and get 10 percent off your first order that's k-a-c-h-a-v-a dot com slash how to money 
Spring cleaning is kind of a, an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs. And it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. I'm guessing that a lot of listeners are starting to solidify their summer travel plans. We always like to get the families together, Matt, for a week yeah, at the we beach do. every single summer. We've already got that trip to St. Simon's on the calendar. Pumped for that. But sometimes those vacations get expensive. So what better way to offset some of those costs than to have your home earning some money while you're away? That's right. Why let it sit empty when it could be earning extra income? It's the financially smart thing to do. So think it through. Maybe you've got some extra space in your home, or maybe you have an entire house to host, or maybe you're just going on vacation and your home is sitting empty. In every case, you can Airbnb it. You already have the space, so it won't be a huge adjustment. I mean, the way I see it, if you're not using your space, you have two options. You can let it just sit there empty, or you do some optimizing and make some money off it. Really, if you think about it, you already have an Airbnb. You just need to start using it. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. All right, we're back and we've got more money stories to share with you. More stuff happening this week that affects your money, your finances. And Matt, uh, the first thing we do, and the second half of every Friday show is the ludicrous headline of the week. Of the week. And this one comes from Business Insider. And here is the headline. It's Wall Street's new sustainable investing fad is a scam. Hmm. Hmm. What did you think about that headline? Those, those are harsh words. <laughs> they are. It's like fighting words, man. Yeah. And uh, l- let's give an update maybe on socially responsible investing. While ESG funds, which stands for Environmental Social Governance, They're not our favorites. Calling them a scam was a bit of an overreach, I would say. Yeah, there you go. An overreach. uh, Yeah, an overreach on on this Business Insider article. It was intended to get clicks, maybe. Um, That's what the internet does. (laughs) (laughs) But this article, along with one from Vox... Uh, that both were published this week, shed some light on what's happening in this space. Both pieces articulated some of the real problems with these funds, basically, because socially responsible, and I put that in quotes, and ESG, they're such Mm. buzzwords right now in the investing space. Companies are launching and promoting these ESG funds more readily, and investors are taking the bait. They're putting more and more of their investment dollars into these supposedly green funds. And 
at the same time, they're paying higher fees to do so. We would say it's not all rainbows and kale salad on the ESG <laughs> front, though. There, there are some problems with these funds. They're not a scam. We would disagree with that characterization from Business Insider. Um, but there are some issues that we definitely need to consider before we start to put our money in them. Yeah, ESG funds right now, they're hotter than fat-free in the 90s, <laughs> which was incredibly hot. But like you said, dude, with, without like the proper definitions people are just putting money into these ESG funds without fully realizing what they are and what what they aren't getting. One person's ESG trash is going to be another person's treasure. So for instance, companies with maybe they've got a severe digital privacy problem, they might be lurking in that ESG fund. Um, Or there might be a company that has publicly committed to taking green action uh, through their company, but they haven't listed any steps to actually accomplish that goal. They might also be inside a fund like that as well. They might be singing a pretty tune. They might be like all talk and no action. Exactly. And so when you've got just a lack of clear definitions like this, that means that the ESG space is still very much the Wild West. And so you might be wondering, like, should you be investing your money in one of these funds? And the the answer here is that it really comes down to your personal values. Uh, And it comes down to you doing the research if you believe that this is something that you should be putting your money towards. Don't start just regularly putting your money into a fund that you haven't taken the time to vet properly because you might find yourself investing in companies that don't align with your values despite the promises uh, that the fund is making or despite just what the fund is called or the fact that it has ESG in the name. Uh, And another downside of investing in ESG funds can be a lack of diversification. For us, that's not really a problem because we, that's why we're huge proponents of investing in the entire stock market. Uh, It's why I'm such a big fan of investing in the S&P 500. You get plenty of diversification. And we're also, uh, you know, okay with the fact that there are going to be some companies within those indexes that may not perfectly align with our values. That's one area where I let my investments just be investments. And if I want to do something uh, where I can make a, a more impactful change in my life, I do that proactively with additional money outside of my investments. Yeah, I think that's a good way to think about it, Matt. And I think good people are going to come down on different sides of the ESG debate. But it's just important to note that not every ESG fund is created alike. And so, yeah, you got to do your due diligence before you start sticking your money inside of those funds. And you have to look at the expense ratios because they're certainly going to be higher than most of the the traditional index uh, S&P 500 type funds that you just mentioned, a total stock market fund, the kind of funds that we typically push people towards, or we like to see our listeners invest in, uh, you, you know, you're definitely going to be paying higher fees than what those funds have to offer. That's true. Uh, but since we're talking about investing, let's talk about an article that friend of the show, Ron Lieber from the New York Times wrote this week, and it's about why female investors are better than their male counterparts. Yeah. And we want to say, first off, good job, ladies. Fantastic. Uh, Ron made some really good points in this article, many of which were based around a fidelity survey. And what Ron actually said is that the way that women trade is the key to their success. Basically, uh, women aren't trading stocks as frequently as their male counterparts. And Matt, we know this to be true. The more that you trade, the worse your results will typically be. And women are just better at staying the boring horse to build wealth over time Which than is the men. way to go. Yeah, yeah. at least for, on a statistical basis. And so the lessons we can learn from these results are, are really applicable for men and women. But it's good to see that, hey, there's something that the women are excelling at and we should take a page from their book. Yeah, there's something that us men have a lot to learn. And the stats, they actually tend to reflect a general lack of confidence for women, like when it comes to investing at all. But then the ones that do get started, they tend to see superior results. And on the flip side of the coin, like that's because 
men, many men are overconfident, believing that they can outperform the market, uh, which ends up harming their long-term uh, returns. And so, obviously, these are generalizations. Like, there's going to be some dudes that are more than happy to passively invest in a total stock market fund, while there are going to be some women out there who are perusing the Wall Street Bets subreddit. And so, it's our goal to see all How to Money listeners reach a confident sweet spot when it comes to their investments. We want you to be confident enough to invest week in and week out more and more of your paycheck, but not so confident uh, that you're going to tinker with your portfolio or you're, maybe you're going to take on too much risk by uh, investing in you know the next meme stock uh, of the moment or maybe you know just to begin tra- trading stocks like baseball cards. This is another reason too why we I feel... I don't think people trade baseball cards anymore though. Do the baseball card swap? It makes me sad. <laughs> <laughs> They're doing virtual ones, man. NFTs, come on. Really? No, these kids are still sitting down and trading baseball cards. I hope so. Especially after this World Series win, baby! <laughs> uh, but I feel that this is another great reason why it's so important to have both partners in a relationship involved in their finances. I mean, specifically with, with hetero relationships, because you can both come to the table with that balance. I know that anytime I start thinking, okay, I'm going to do something a little bit different with our money, like I take that to Kate and we talk about it. And she's able to provide that balance. She's able to be a ballast to me when it comes to to the different risks that we take with our money. And when you're able to incorporate multiple viewpoints, I think that is going to be the key to doing the most positive things that you can do with your money, with your wealth. Yeah, I don't know why, Matt. I'm getting the picture of like a bully on a playground. The kid that's getting picked on, it probably has very little confidence. And the kid that is doing doing the picking on is probably too confident. And you want to be... <laughs> I don't know, the kid in the corner doing his own thing. You don't want to be either of those. Uh, (laughs) You want to be the kid, uh, you know, swinging on the swing, having fun. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) And and so, yeah, you want to find the confidence sweet spot and make sure that you are investing, but that you're not getting so cocky that you start to do crazy stuff because you're going to end up with less money over time. And yeah, let's get to that Shaq story, Matt. Let's uh, talk about one of our favorite AT aliens that we've never had the pleasure of meeting, but maybe Shaq will come on the show one of these days. What do you think? I would love that. All right. Shaq, <laughs> open invite anytime. But the, the title of this episode called him Stingy, so he might actually uh, decline. <laughs> Sorry about that, Shaq. It was just a joke. It turns out that Shaq told uh, friends of the show, Troy and Rashad from the podcast Earn Your Leisure, they came on a while back, that he's not going to be giving any of his money to his sons in the future. And it's not because he doesn't love them. He specifically tells his kids, we ain't rich. I'm rich. Yeah. <laughs> and he went I on. I saw that clip. It's, it's so good. I love it. It's classic yeah. Shaq. And he went on to say that if they want money from him, they've got to come up with like a business plan that's worth investing in and they've got to sell him on it. Yes. Shaq is a businessman. Yeah. He said, you got to earn it. And you know what? We're with Shaq on this one. Shaq wasn't just a successful basketball player, he's been successful in so many areas of his life including parenthood, apparently. And I love that he's teaching his kids work ethic and that his own good fortune and hard work don't translate to his kids riding his coattails and just automatically like get moving on to third base. He's saying, no, 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 no. You got to hit that triple yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of baseball references in this episode. But uh, yeah, I, I think it's just so good to see where Shaq's coming from on this. And I think you're going to make hardier kids as a result when even if you have the resources, you don't just hand them over to your kids automatically. That's right. I mean, this- This is a huge reason why 
none of our kids are on an allowance. If they want to earn money, they actually have to earn it. There are jobs they have to accomplish. And yes, like they are a part of our family and there's things that they do because they're just our kids. But that's not tied to money at all. That's just tied to roles in our family and responsibility and, and what it means to be, you know, a part of our household. Yes, we want them to know how to handle money and how to, you know, invest it and spend it, things like that. But the first thing that we have to learn how to do here is earn that money. That's why I think putting kids on commission is actually a great thing. <laughs> a great thing to do. But we, like you said, we, we have to find a way to communicate to them that we love them uh, and that love equals money. Like that is this uh, way of thinking that we need to make sure that we push back against. No doubt. It's tough to raise resilient kids, resilient kids who know how to handle money decently well. And so, yeah. And if you're wondering, well, how do I, how do I do that? What are some of the things I need to implement? Well, we just had Liz Frazier on the show. She talked all about how to teach your kids about money and she talked about allowances. And that was, that was a really good episode. I'd encourage you to go back and listen to that one if you missed it, but that's going to do it for today's episode for uh, listeners who want the show notes for today's episode to see the links to the articles that we discussed you can go to our website at howtomoney.com. That's right. And it's Friday, which means you've got all weekend to head over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your shows and leave us a solid review. If you have not yet done that, it's been a minute since we've asked for reviews and we would really appreciate it. Helps others to find the show and helps us to continue to spread the word uh, to ensure that other folks are out there doing smart things with their money. No doubt. And we hope to see you if you're in Atlanta. Yes. Tonight. Money Night Garage, 745 tonight. Going to be a lot of fun. All right. uh, That's going to do it though, Matt. Until next time. Best friends out. Best friends out. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, and me, Simone Boyce. 
Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. I am so excited about this podcast, The Bright Side. You guys are giving people a chance to shine a light on their lives, shine a light on a little advice that they want to share. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side.